0: have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey, you've come
1: to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. And as usual, we have a very electual show for you today. We're going to be talking all about erotica, specifically erotic literature for women and why female-focused erotica has been growing more popular each year. So I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Rachel Kramer-Bussell. She's a New Jersey-based erotica author and editor, freelance writer, copywriter, consultant, erotica writing instructor, and literary event organizer. That's just some of her credentials, okay? I, I'll I'll get through some more later. She's had her stories published in over 100 anthologies and has edited over 60 anthologies, including the upcoming Best Women's Erotica of the Year series, Volume 5, available on December 10th. So I may have been privy to the advanced copy of the book and it was a scorching hot read. So I definitely recommend you pick yourself up a copy. We're going to tell you later where you can go and get your dirty little hands on of those. Today, we're going to talk about how Rachel gets inspired to write erotic stories, why women's erotic literature has become more popular than ever before, what makes for creating great erotic stories, and she'll offer some advice for aspiring erotic writers. And later in today's show, as usual, I'll be answering some questions from you, the audience, during my Letters to Lexi segment. So if you want me to give you some lexual advice with the bonus help of my special guest each week, write into to me at lexi at sdc.com and connect with me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. Now, before we start our chat with Rachel, I want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you can also access the world's largest lifestyle dating platform. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So get ready to fearlessly embrace your lectuality with Rachel and I. Let me tell you a little bit more about my special guest today. Rachel kramer Bussel is an erotica author and editor, freelance writer, copywriter, consultant, erotica writing instructor, and literary event organizer. She's edited over 60 anthologies as I mentioned before, including, I love these titles, The Big Book of Orgasms, The Big Book of Submission, Volumes 1 and 2, Come Again, Sex Toy Erotica, and five volumes of the Best Women's Erotica of the Year series, all for Cleus Press. Her own erotic stories have been published in over 100 anthologies, including Best American Erotica, 2004 and 2006, and Zane's bestsellers Purple Panties and Succulent, Chocolate Flavored 2. She teaches erotica writing workshops at colleges, conferences, and sex toy stores around the world and consults and teaches online with clients about erotica and sexuality-focused nonfiction. Her essays and journalism have been published in the New York Times, the Washington Post, O, oh, the Oprah Magazine, Salon, and other publications. And her new book, as I mentioned before, Best Women's Erotic of the Year series, Volume 5, is available on December 10th. Welcome to my show, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about erotica.
1: Me too. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm an erotic writer. Some people know that who are listening. I have a specific interest in erotica in general just because I love creating sexy stories. So I want to hear a little bit from you about how you started writing erotica. How did you venture into that? Well, I think it's
0: interesting because A, it was a long time ago. I wrote my first erotica story 20 years ago in 1999 when I was... I guess, 23 or 24, and um, I had never really written fiction. I'd always written as a teenager. I wrote letters to the editor, and I'd never thought about writing fiction. I just didn't think of myself as a fiction writer, but I was reading a lot of Erotica, uh, the Best American Erotica series, and Herotica that Susie Bright edited, and other books, and there was, I saw a call for submissions for stories about celebrities. Now, remember, this was 1999, (laughs) so... You know, people were writing about, I think, like, Johnny Depp. I didn't really know who everyone else was going to write about, but I was really interested in Monica Lewinsky and her story, and I read tons of articles about it. And I just thought, what if Monica was into women? Really, because oh. I had a crush on her, and partly because I had read this article. I want to say in the National Enquirer or somewhere like that that said, like Monica has a crush on women in the White House. And so <laughs> I wrote this story, and it was called Monica and Me. And it was it was not true, just to be clear. But it was fiction based on a fantasy <laughs> I had. So the the character that was me was basically me. I mean, looked like me, wore my clothes and all these things. And I put little details like the lipstick she wore on her Barbara Walters interview. And that got published in this book called Starfucker, edited by Char Rednauer. And then it got picked up for Best Lesbian Erotica 2001. And it was so exciting to me. I mean, I literally remember going to a bookstore and crying because that was the first time I saw it in print. Like I didn't get a copy before it was in stores. And I was so thrilled to see my name like there. And it's funny because I would say more than half of the authors that i work worked with use a pseudonym. But it didn't occur to me then because I was like, well, I write other things under my name. Why don't I just write this? And basically, ever since that first story, I've continued writing stories. And then I got asked to edit some Anthologies, and then I've just been doing that ever since 2001. And I did not imagine at the time that this is where I'd end up because I was also in law school. While well, I was wrapping that up as I was writing the story, I dropped out, but I remember I used their computers to print out the story <laughs> to proofread it. So that was sort of the tail end of that period of my life and going into the other period of my life. Oh, wow. What a beginning. And you dropped out of law school to write? Uh, you know, I didn't really drop out to write. I just dropped out because it was not working out and I didn't know exactly how I would make a living. I'd always been interested in writing. So I had you know various jobs that are not very memorable. But then after a few years of that, I was writing on the side, um, journalism and more erotica. And then I got a job at Penthouse Variations, one of Penthouse's Magazine. So I was doing that. And I was doing more anthologies. And I ran a reading series for a few years in New York, where I hosted uh, Zane and Susie Bright and a whole bunch of other people. So I kind of threw myself into that. But that was never the plan when I wrote that first story. (laughs) I hosted an erotic reading series where I had all kinds of guests from Susie Bright to Zane. And I just never thought this was what I would do for my career. I had no idea when I wrote that story that it would turn into what I do now, but it did. And now this is a large part of what I do. I'm pretty much every day. I'm either writing erotica, editing erotica, organizing an event, uh, reading submissions that people have sent to me for my books. And I love it. What a life. It's right. it's it's funny. It's like I, now I'm just used to it. But if I think about me twenty years ago when I was crying in that bookstore, I just never could have thought that this is what I'd be doing.
1: Oh wow, so. I mean, I understand that when you first decided to submit your first erotic piece, that was the first thing you did. But had you read other erotic literature before that had contributed to some of your inspiration? I had read a lot of erotic short story collections. I think I had read a few novels
0: that were, I remember buying books that were, you know, by Anonymous, those those classic ones that yeah. that... I saw at bookstores then that I do not see at bookstores now because actually back then you could find erotica more easily in physical bookstores. So I had read a fair amount of it. I think if I hadn't, I wouldn't have even known that that was a thing. But because I had been reading it and then I saw this call for submissions, it really prompted something in my mind. Oh, I'm going to write this story. But I think if I hadn't seen the call for Celebrity Erotica, I don't think I would have written in that form. Maybe I would have written an essay or something. This My mind was much more analytical. And then once I started writing Erotica, it opened up this other side of how I could express thoughts on sexuality, both my own and fictional characters, because You know, you have a lot of freedom in erotica. If you're writing an essay, you have to write pretty much exactly what happened. I mean, you can be a little poetic, but you can't just bring in some other element um, that did not happen (laughs) at all, or you're the next James Fry. But in erotica, you know, anything can happen. So um, I really enjoyed and still enjoy that aspect of it, that, you know, you can take something that's playing from your imagination or something you read about in the news or whatever and turn it into
1: something totally
0: new that you created.
1: As you're writing erotica, now these days, since you're pretty used to it at this point, you've read and written so much, so much literature. What inspires you?
0: I feel like in some ways it's harder for me personally to write now than it was then, because by now I've probably written every personal experience I've had that I would want to turn into erotica. I mean, you never know. Something could happen and I could be inspired, but I'm generally looking at, sometimes I look at celebrities, sometimes I look at the news, sometimes I just look at photo books you know, art books, and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting juxtaposition. Or I look on Instagram, I follow a lot of sex toy stores, sometimes, you know, a photo or a toy or anything really, sometimes it's a phrase, like I'll see a poster for a movie or TV show or whatever. And it's a catchphrase or a title and or just a common phrase that um, speaks to me for a little while. I was writing song titles, I was using them as my short story titles and getting inspiration that way. <laughs> so. you can feel free to try that too. So really it could come from anywhere. And I think for me, I get the plot first. I, some people get characters first or dialogue I'm more plot driven so I'll get an idea for how the plot will go and then I'll try to fill that in and you know sometimes it doesn't work I mean sometimes I have stories on my computer that are half finished or three quarters finished that just the ending or the second half just never quite materialized but I keep them there because maybe I'll revisit them later on.
1: I have such a database of stories that are unfinished myself so (laughs) I understand but sometimes yeah you get a bit of a flash or a spark and you're like oh that makes sense. So it's really good that you just have them in the bank for later on.
0: Yeah, and sometimes they take a turn that you didn't expect. Like, you expected to write the plot as A, B, C, D, and it becomes A, B, X, Y, and you just don't know, you know, maybe you save the CD for some other story you're gonna write. Oh,
1: I love that unpredictability, the spontaneity that you can kind of put into there. Uh, And I think that makes for a very interesting story. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that, what makes for a particularly good erotic story. Just in a sec, we're just gonna take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about female-focused erotica. So don't go away. Right now, I just want to tell you all a little bit about the world's largest adult sex ed platform, SDC.com, where you can find loads of information about sex, health, and relationships. You can watch videos, listen to podcasts, and read articles from professionals all around the world, like Dr. Jess, Sunny Megatron, Dr. Elizabeth Schiff, John and Jackie Melfi of Love 101 and many more SDC contributors. I'm one of them, so you can find some of my content on there too, including this podcast. Now, Rachel and I were just talking about what could make for a really great erotic story, and I want to know from you, since you've helped so many writers put together their stories, improve their stories create incredible erotica. What for you is the formula for a really juicy erotic story?
0: So I don't know if I would say there's a formula because I think anyone can break the rules. And if they do it the right way, it can still be erotic. Um, and I'm going to kind of circle around this a little bit, but I'm first going to say one huge thing that I see that needs improving that I often give feedback on, I would say maybe every third or fourth story, I say, what were they feeling in this moment? What were they thinking? Because often writers are so focused on the physical aspects, you know, he was touching this, or she was putting her hand or tongue or whatever here, that we don't know what they're going through mentally and emotionally. And to me, that Combined with the physical is really the heart of what make something erotic. And the way I like to think of it is if you walked into your room and you saw 10 couples making out or having sex or whatever, and they were all doing the same physical action, you know, you would describe the physical action the same way, but we don't know what all those people are thinking. And if that's 20 people, they could all be thinking 20 different things. I mean, one might be thinking, this is the hottest sex of my life. And one might be thinking, oh my goodness, like, I'm looking at my watch, when is this over? You know, Or I want to look at my watch, you know. So, and I think... Thank <laughs> you you know, it's the case in real life too. I mean, we don't always know what the other person is that we're having sex with even is thinking. I mean, hopefully we have a sense of what they're thinking. <laughs> but, um, so I think getting really to the heart of what makes this specific moment sexy for this character, and that could be a, a hookup with someone you've never even met before or never had sex with before, or it could be the thousandth time you've had sex with the same person, but what makes this, why are you putting the sex scene in basically? Like what about this moment is arousing. And I think you can't just assume, well, they're at an orgy. So of course, it's sexy because, you know, an orgy could not be sexy for that person in that moment. What about this orgy at this minute? And this thing they're doing is clicking, you know, pushing that person's buttons. And that's going to be different for every person and character. There might be similar things throughout your different writings. But I think the more you can really get down to the individual level and explore what's arousing for that character and what about their history or past or fetishes or whatever makes it sexy to them, the more the physical action will be meaningful to the reader. So I think that is to me is what I look for generally in in anything, that whether I'm reading it to edit it or just reading for for fun. And I'm the kind of person I do like to know backstory about the characters. I like to know, I don't need to know, you know, every detail about where they grew up and who their parents were and whatever, but I like to know a little bit about what they're bringing to the situation. You know, because I think it's, it is going to matter if, you know, maybe they're a virgin or maybe they're super jaded about sex and think like, oh, I've been there, done that, nothing will turn me on. And then all of a sudden someone like, swoops in and surprises them. Um, I think all of that plays into what makes the words on the page sexy. And I think if you talk to people about the erotica that they remember the most, it's not usually that, you know, they thrust in this certain way or it's not usually like some physical action. They're not really usually remembering, oh, well, you know, their hand was here or, you know, but they're remembering the whole context of this story. You know, maybe it was someone getting a spanking, but maybe they're getting a spanking outside or in the airport or whatever it is. So I think that can also be a way if you have people you can sort of poll about what erotica has stood out to them. It's not just, you know, I like this story or this book or whatever. What about it did you like? And that can give you a sense of what readers enjoy. And I mean, for better or for worse, people definitely share their opinions online. So, you know, I I see what people are saying about the stories I publish. And I I do try to not really cater to that, but take it into consideration. You know, if people say that felt rushed, or that didn't feel realistic, or whatever, then next time I try to sort of correct for that and push authors to go deeper, so to speak, in those areas.
1: (laughs) Go deeper, so to speak. Well, I mean, it's a challenge enough as it is to get inspired to write a story, to actually put pen to paper, or in this case, you know, fingers to keyboard, to actually get it done. One other big challenge that I would argue uh, is super important and has always been important, but is now becoming a little bit more, more talked about, more widely discussed, is representation when it comes to literature in general, to writing, uh, to media. And when I talk about representation, I talk about everything from racial lines to uh, sexuality, gender gender identity, different kinds of relationship styles, so consensual non-monogamy becoming more prevalent as far as topics and themes go. Have you noticed a kind of increase in that kind of content that you have been editing or working with or even in your own writings? I think I've noticed it on the part of authors and readers
0: are demanding that and I, I think some publishers are stepping up and I can really only speak to myself as an editor and I'll I'll be perfectly upfront. Like when I started doing this, I'm a white woman. I read a lot of white authors, not out of a sense of not wanting to read other authors. And I did read, there's a Brown Sugar series edited by Carol Taylor. I read those. I mean, I read other things, but I was not paying attention as much as I do now to is, are there a range of characters in my books? And Are there a range of races, sexualities, even things like, are they all set in cities or some set in more more rural areas? I didn't really think about that. And now I do think largely about that because I only have room for, let's say, 20 to 25 stories generally, depending on word count. So I have to balance a lot of things. And I mean, ultimately, you can't please every reader. But I want to know that I did my best to present a wide range of humanity, really, and now it's not going to be the full range of humanity because that is impossible. in you know, 70,000 words (laughs) of, of, uh, you know, short stories. But I also think I, you know, it's interesting. I am that kind of person who I will remember the negative feedback. And one reviewer said about one of my anthologies that they felt like it was kind of like affirmative action, like basically that I had just put different races in just to be diverse. And that is not how that was not my intention. But it is something, you know, I think about, I don't just want different races or ages or sexualities. I want stories that are complicated, you know, that definitely aren't stereotypical, but that are also varied. Like I want, you know, the shy virgin, but, you know, I want the shy virgin who's coming from all different backgrounds. And I also want the sex worker who's from all different backgrounds. And I think think I've gotten better about that over the years. And also I've, my reach for the calls for submissions has broadened. So there's authors from around the world who are submitting and there's authors who maybe never written erotica or haven't written as much of it but maybe write in another genre who are thinking oh well i could branch out and try this so in this book there's a phone sex worker in india and that story i think is very interesting because it's partly about sexism at work and this culture around you know workplace boundaries and issues around that and then bringing in the sex work factor and then also her humanity like what turns her on how does her personal sexuality merge with the work that she's doing? Um, and there's a story about the first Latina president of the United States, which You know, I I think is very timely at this moment, and also a very moving story. It's both sexy and it's there's an emotional component because she's a widow. So um, there's there's a lot going on there, and a lot of the authors. If you read erotic romance, you you may recognize their names: Uh, C. D. Rice, Sierra Simone, Sabrina Saul who wrote the. Uh, Latina president story, and I think romance authors are used to doing what I said before, like merging the sexual tension with the emotional component. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that erotica. And I think there's a difference between erotic romance and erotica, and not all the stories are love stories, um, and they don't have to be. But a lot of them are, and I think I think readers, my readers, and me as an editor, I think they want a, a mix of those two things. I think they want some where these are stories that maybe you could see this happening and not necessarily your life, but you know, someone you know, where they're, they're a little bit set in a familiar world. And then some are set in a world that probably is not your world. I mean, maybe that's because I don't think there's aliens in this book. But, you know, maybe it's because it's set literally somewhere that, you know, we do not inhabit as humans, but or maybe it's just a more unlikely story, but it has that fantasy element. And because it's short stories, I have the range to put all that in one book. I think if you're writing a novel, you know, it's generally going to be set in one specific world. And I don't necessarily think every reader will love every story because they're quite, there's quite a range. But I hope that there's something for anyone interested in erotica. And I did want to touch on one thing because we're talking about women's erotica. I did not name the series. The series actually predates my five volumes. There was just women's erotica, and then 2001, 2002 with other editors. But one thing I've discovered is that I have a lot of male readers of – all my books, including this series. And I think that they enjoy getting a peek into what women are thinking about when it comes to sex. And, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's that they are reading it. Some I know are reading it with their partners, some maybe reading it alone, but I think they're reading it for the same reason women are reading it. And I think there's a common bond there that people are reading it to be turned on and entertained and sometimes to get ideas for things they might want to try. But I think it's kind of a, it does a disservice to assume that it's only men who are, you know, men are watching porn and women are reading erotica. There's plenty of people who are, follow, you know, who, women who watch porn and men who read erotica.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I th- I'm glad that you actually touched on that because one of my questions for you was, you know, what kind of audience do you have when it comes to this kind of literature? It seems like you're really in touch with your audience and your community, which is great. That to me means that you're able to create stories for the people who are actually looking to get inspired or find representation for themselves in a book in a way that they, you know, makes them feel good. Uh, Learn about, you know, how other people think and feel about sex. Discover their own sexuality. I just think that's fantastic. Are they all female writers who are submitting to? you? So my rule for who can submit is um, authors who identify as women as
0: well as genderqueer or non-binary or gender non-conforming. So I, I, you know, so we do have that range. Um, I mean, Most of the authors identify as women, I believe, but I I know that not all of them do. And that is also something that's important for me to represent. And I'm always kind of trying to reach more people who might not feel like that term best women's erotica fits them. But I say, you know, Feel free to submit to the book, and you know if it works for what I'm doing, I will consider it. And the last few years, uh, starting in volume four, and then with five, and next year with six, that they have a theme. So the theme for this one was outrageous, and you know I like a theme like that where it's not so specific that you know exactly what you're going to get when you open it because what's outrageous to one person is going to be you know, boring to another person. So that outrageous theme encompasses a lot. And I really like that because I feel like I want readers to be surprised and I want them to read things in here that most likely they haven't read before. And if I who've read thousands of erotica stories and have been reading it for 20 years, I'm surprised then hopefully readers will be too. So there's a story that really stood out to me that I put at the end called Spin by Lauren Emily. And it's about aerialists who are having sex in the air. And I had to ask some questions like, where are they here? And how are they doing this? Because I don't know what it's like to be an aerialist. But I can definitely tell you, I saw an aerialist performance a few months ago, uh, when I was in Nashville, and I was watching it in awe of the acrobatics, but also thinking, wow, like, this is sort of like what happens in that story, except, you know, much, much racier. (laughs) I mean, no one was having sex in the air at the show I saw. But I think like, that's the kind of story that to me, you know, stood out because it was just so unusual and so different and did make me think about various elements of just like how bodies can fit together in this Specific physical configuration and what that's like for these people. And I think, especially now when we have so many types of erotic stimulation at our fingertips, at our ears, at our eyes, you know, there, there's just a lot, never mind non erotic. I mean, all of us have all streaming services and ebooks and websites and everything like for someone to sit down with a book either audiobook or ebook or print and immerse themselves in reading one or more stories like i'm very grateful that they're doing that and you mentioned my audience, I definitely want to take into consideration what people want to read. I mean, it's hard because, you know, readers will give me feedback, but sometimes they say, I want more BDSM and some say, I want less BDSM. So (laughs) I can't totally cater to all those opinions. But right. when I'm looking at 100 or 200 stories that come in and I have to select among them, the biggest thing I'm looking for is variety, which may not be that helpful to those who are authors who are like, well, how can I, how can I give you variety? And it's one of those things, it's it's hard to say in advance what variety means. But, you know, I look for stories that don't repeat the same scenario within the same book. And also that are, you know, I want people who are single. I want people who are in couples. I want more than two people, you know, triads or four people or swingers or whatever it is. Like I want that kind of variety. And I also want variety. I don't want them all to be in the first person I know some could be in third person, I want different settings. it's, It's actually very challenging that part of it. So it's not just, oh, pick the top 20 stories that I personally like, or that I think are the most well written, I have to reject a lot of stories that are great stories that are well written and interesting. And with those authors, I will try to either find a place for their work in another anthology in the future, or I, you know, say to them, you know, I'm not rejecting this because I didn't like your story. It just, I couldn't, I didn't have room for it or for whatever reason, it didn't quite fit. But, um, and then I use that to guide the next volume I'm editing. And right now I'm wrapping up volume six. And then hopefully I will be asked to edit another volume. And if I am, I'm going to change some things because I've been seeing a lot of stories that are either about strangers, which makes sense because there's an inherent drama in meeting a stranger and hot. going from not knowing them to being naked with them. I mean, of <laughs> course, that's dramatic. <laughs> but uh, And then there's also a drama to being friends with someone and then going from friends to lovers. But I, I think that something I want to read more about, which could speak to my personal situation is couples having adventures together. Now, that could mean a monogamous couple doing something like going to a strip club or, you know, being voyeurs, or it could be you know, in exploring non-monogamy or any other adventure that either couples or people in established relationships are having. Because I think that's a lot of who is reading erotica not entirely. But I think people want to see, as well as single people hooking up, see established relationships that are doing things to amp up their sex lives or bring in a new element or just try something new. So I want to see more of that. I think that's more challenging for writers, because I think a lot of us, me, myself included, you know, you, you want to write about the sexy stranger who suddenly appears in your life, you know, because there's a lot of those opportunities to come up with fictional stories about that. I think we all meet strangers, that maybe not every day, but at least every week, you know, you're, you see people on the road or on the subway or at the store or whatever. And like all of those encounters could lead to an erotica story. If that's, you know, if you're looking around for plots, but I also think there's so much sexual drama
1: that can happen within relationships too. Absolutely. That's kind of what I was saying before, as far as representation goes, trying to, I mean, look, you can't please everyone, and trying is just, it would be a failure to even try. Like, there's no point. But you can try to appeal to, which is exactly what you're doing, people who are the most common readers. So you're looking, like you said, for couples who are looking to stimulate their sex life in some way, maybe get some ideas. Some people who can want to draw out a fantasy that they had with a sexy stranger on the train. There's so much that can be done as far as increasing the variety of the kinds of stories and characters we can enjoy in erotica. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a sec. I just want to take a really quick break because right after this segment we're going to talk a little bit more a lot a bit more about erotica. We're going to also answer your questions from Letters to Lexi. But first I just want to invite all of you sexy trotters, to fulfill your wanderlust with SDC Travel where you can enjoy. Enjoy an adventure with other like-minded open couples. Check out our annual trip to Greece where we'll be lavishing in the sun on the vibrant island of Crete. Indulge in the all-inclusive luxury event resort in the Mediterranean, where you can eat, drink, bare your skin, swim and play like Greek gods and goddesses. If you're seeking adventure in the erotic allure of hidden coves, naked beaches, and our SDC theme parties and playrooms, join us this May 2020 for our SDC takeover of Crete. Book your rooms now at SDC.com travel. Before we get to our letters to Lexi for the week, I have a few more questions for Rachel. So what I want to know from you, because we were just talking about people who are different kinds of relationship structures and who are looking for different things from their erotic literature. So erotica geared toward people who are identifying as female has really increased over the years. What kinds of trends and themes are you seeing? I think it's
0: interesting what trends have emerged and some of them are things that I've been reading and seeing that haven't really changed. I do think that a lot of people talk about 50 shades of gray and the sort of revolution that, started in terms of opening up conversations about BDSM. But women <laughs> were writing well, people were writing about BDSM, you know, since long before that. But I do think that even now, women writing about their own experiences or you know fantasies about domination and submission and especially submission, that is just a through line that I've seen the whole time. And I think it's because even now there's still stigma around BDSM as well as there's a lot of grappling you have to do as a woman, especially to kind of come to terms with, okay, I'm, maybe I'm a feminist or I believe in equality, but I also want these things that on the surface don't, that might seem to contradict that. And I think that is an ongoing thing that women deal with. So I, so that is something I've seen a lot of and continued to see more of and, in terms of trends, it's, it's hard to say, but I do think that there's just more female characters feeling open about being able to express whatever, you know, their own fetishes or fantasies are and being, I want to say aggressive, but it doesn't always come across as aggressive in the stories. Aggressive might not be the right word, but empowered, you know, hook up with a stranger. Whereas I'm not saying people didn't write about that before, but I think there's just more openness because there's more openness, not it's not a perfect world, but there is more openness around female sexuality in our culture. I think that shows in erotica. And I think there's more of an emphasis on consent and just pursuing pleasure, whatever that looks like. It might not look like the things that we're taught or, or most of us are taught, you know, it's supposed to look like. So I think just more. This is a very. This sounds very vague, but you know things like fetishes, which I think still kind of many people consider fetishes a male thing. You know, men have you know foot fetish or this fetish or that fetish, and I think women are feeling free to explore what is it like if I have this kind of fetish or you know my character has this kind of fetish, and what does that look like from a from a woman's point of view.
1: I love that because that ability to explore your sexuality by reading erotic literature. So being able to put yourself in the shoes of these different characters and kind of, you know, Like you had said, experience what is, what this fetish might feel like, what it might be like to be in this situation. And that empowerment that goes with it too, as far as women are feeling more empowered to take charge of their sexuality, which I love. Um, That's really what I'm all about. That's why I'm here. It's why I do this. And by being able to read erotic literature and these stories with all these different backgrounds with these themes that have been so taboo for so long that a lot of people don't always talk about let alone think about or really know anyone else who feels that way about that particular fetish or, or background or anything like that it's fantastic that we're now able to experience those things in literature form because only now are people yes, people have been writing about BDSM for years the first erotic book I ever read was The story. Story of oh okay maybe not the best representation of BDSM it doesn't matter it still piqued my interest at twelve years old so <laughs> um, definitely taking those taboo topics and making them more I don't I don't want to call it mainstream because still erotic literature is still considered I guess taboo for some people with who are very conservative so basically not anyone in my listenership <laughs> <laughs> but I love that we are able to explore things even the first Latina president that is an amazing story. And I mean, it's not even related to sex, but just the storyline alone, that's already kind of a something that we don't really talk about much. I love the possibilities that come in erotic literature and being able to understand all sides of that. So the character side, their partner, partner's sides of the story. I love it. And I think you just touched on something that
0: I think where we've become more open to talking about sex in a way that isn't taboo, at least in literature. In real life, we really, haven't. I mean, we see sex scandals, we see someone not having a strictly heterosexual monogamous marriage as being often a sort of a deal breaker with the public and voting, and okay, that's a whole other story. But in the world of erotic literature, we can have a woman who's president and who also has desires, and that is okay, and she can explore them and still be powerful, like you don't have to choose either or. And I think that's something we're still grappling with as a society, so erotic literature is also grappling with how women's power outside the bedroom translates into power inside the bedroom. And I think power doesn't always have to mean you know, dominant or submissive. It can mean power in terms of just being okay with your own fantasies and thoughts and expressing them to yourself and to partner or partners. Um, I think that's still a struggle for many people of different genders, but women especially, because there's still slut-shaming there's still a lot of internalized ideas about what's right and wrong and erotica is a really great place, I think, to make peace with those things and explore them and sort of discover character characters who have also gone through those things and when i said empowered that doesn't mean that every second of every story a character feels empowered they also struggle with doubts and questions and thoughts but you know they they work through them in an erotic setting, Mm -hmm. but they still also discuss those things. And I think that's important, too. The other thing I think sometimes beginning writers do is everything is perfect throughout the story. You know, everyone's happy, everyone's having a great time. And that's good. I mean, I want people in their real life, like to have a great time and enjoy sex and not have, you know, be stressed out or have drama. But the fact is, like, we're humans, we do have issues, whether that's you know, body image issues or, you know, mental health issues or whatever. And I think erotica is a really interesting place to explore those and in the last volume, there was a story about a woman who's agoraphobic, and her lover helped her work through that and get get more comfortable leaving the house, but in a very supportive way. And there is a sexy element to the story, but there's also a serious side to the story. And I think Erotica can incorporate that
1: too. And it's realistic because real people have real problems that we're trying to work through on a constant basis. And you know, I, I like that you said <laughs> the characters are not always feeling empowered. Or throughout the entire story. We all have moments of doubt, but I think the empowering thing about it is because the characters are so rooted in reality that we're able to relate to the character on a personal and emotional level, which is for me, and like you had said before as well, one of the key things when it comes to good erotic literature, sorry, not good, great erotic literature. I want to know also, because we're almost wrapping up the segment, I wanted to go to Letters to Lexi so we can answer a couple of people from the audience, but what is next for you. Now that you are working on all of these different stories, these different anthologies, you have so much going on. I know you're going to be doing some book tour coming up soon. Uh, Yes, I am doing three book events for
0: Volume 5. The first is in Brooklyn, January 19th at Stoya's Book Club. And then I'm doing a reading in Chicago, February 13th. And then on Valentine's Day, a reading in LA. All are welcome. Uh, That's another thing. Every time I do a public event, For this series, I get men asking, you know, can men come? It says best women's erotica. Yes, anyone can join us. (laughs) Uh, Anyone, I assume over 18, I I have to check with the stores. I don't know about age-wise, but all genders are welcome. And it's really wonderful for me to take this work that is so much on my computer and in a, in a book form and bring it into a live event because I think I hear the stories differently when the authors read them to me. And there's something very humanizing about hearing someone read their erotic work because we have very few spaces where that happens live in the culture, And I think doing that, it remains sexy. I don't think it makes it, like you said, just taboo or nullifies that, but it also makes it real. Like people can see that these are real people writing these stories. Um, and they I think there's an empathy that happens, you know, when you're hearing different people's reactions and watching them see what it's like to just hear those, even if it's just, it doesn't have to be the most explicit words, but they're just hearing this erotic tension build in the air. So that's a lot of fun for me. So that's the immediate future. And then hopefully more books in the future.
1: Can't wait. We're going to talk later about how people can reach you and how people can come to these events where they can get all the information in your amazing new book. But right now, it's time for Letters to Lexi. So I've been receiving... A lot of questions from all of you. I can't get through all of them, obviously, each episode. I try to pop in a couple here and there. So during this segment, I'm going to give you the shameless, no-bullshit answer that your friends might not have the titanium ovaries or balls of steel to tell you. No question is ever too taboo or queer or weird, so don't be shy. I love getting your messages, so email me, Lexi at SDC.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Lexi Silver, that's Lexi. Lexi with an I, a silver with a Y. So maybe Rachel can help me out with some of these. The first letter or message is from Natalie. This is through Instagram. Hi Lexi, I'm married and not fulfilled in my sex life. I want to have sex with other people and I think my husband does too. Do you think going into the lifestyle can add the spark back to our relationship? So, firstly, just for context, uh, when we are talking about the lifestyle in this case, I'm going to very broadly go into the realm of consensual non-monogamy because it's not necessarily true that the lifestyle equals the swinger lifestyle. So, there are lots of other forms of consensual non-monogamy that could be represented in this general discussion about lifestyle. So, so Natalie, have you talked your husband about the possibility of opening up your marriage. The fact that you said that you think that your husband also wants to have sex with other people means to me that you don't have a confirmation and that you need to actually have that conversation first. So before anyone enters a lifestyle, and I do a lot of coaching about this, I talk about this a lot, how strong is the foundation that you have right now in your relationship? If you're not satisfied in your sex life right now, if you open up your relationship and you start introducing other partners into the mix. Mix, that could actually spell problems for you and your husband. So my advice to you is see what you can do firstly to spice up your sex life at home. What Talk to your partner. What is it that you need personally and what is it that he needs to feel fulfilled and happy in your sex life? So those could be completely different things, but the only way you're gonna know is if you actually talk about it. And without having that base of communication, if you do open up your relationship, there is a lot of communication that happens throughout that process. You will always have to continuously communicate. So first establishing those communication skills early on before you guys decide to venture into this is absolutely crucial. So I would say, yes, the lifestyle could add a spark to your relationship, but first try to find that spark between the two of you again. And if there isn't a basis for love and you don't want to be with your partner anymore and it's not just about sex that we're talking about, that's a bit of a different story and I can answer that differently but from this perspective give it a bit of time try to work it out together if that's something that you want to put the time and energy into doing and you do love this person so yeah, that's, that's my take on that. Rachel, what do you think? I agree. I mean, and I am not in, a,
0: in an open relationship, though I have been in them in the past. But I also think that sometimes something that I find enjoyable is, you know, talking about not necessarily who are you going to sleep with, but who might you sleep with? Both of you, you know, either together or separately, like who do you find attractive? I think there's something taboo in our culture about that because we're so fixated on monogamy that if your partner's says this other person is attractive, people take it so personally, like, does that mean you don't think I'm attractive? What do they have that I don't? But you can flip that, <laughs> and that can be a fun activity for both of you. It doesn't have to mean taking that next step into non-monogamy, although it could mean that, but just as a couple, that can mean, you know, checking people out when you're out to dinner or whatever, and just sort of fantasizing about that and bringing that energy into the bedroom between the two of you.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That definitely... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) creating those kinds of fantasies together. Together, that's kind of the, you know, you're also saying together, what you can talk about together to kind of bring that extra spice while you're still just the two of you. Talking about the potential of what could happen without having to take that step yet. (laughs) That's a fun way to do it. All right, so my next letter is from Mario. This is a short one through Instagram. My wife and I just had our first threesome and it was the hottest experience ever. She said she loved to watch me with another woman. Do you think we're ready to become swingers? Okay. So firstly, congratulations on your first threesome. That's so fun. Threesomes are definitely uh, the most common fantasy for anyone. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a great first experience because sometimes it's a little hard for your first experience and some people get kind of, you know, deterred from ever trying it again. So good for you. Super happy that you and your wife had a hot experience. So she wants to watch you with another woman. Awesome. Now, I want to just talk really quickly about the definition of swingers, okay? Because some people are swingers and don't call themselves swingers. Some swing have a bad rap. Because, you know, the term <laughs> has historically been used for like the 1970s key parties that used to happen back in the day. So swapping partners, it doesn't have to be that way. So the lifestyle, as I was saying before, because it is a very broad thing, you could be married and introduce other people into your relationship here and there and have three since you don't have to become a swinger. You could ju- you've already opened up your marriage. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. The whole idea here is that you can continue to be open minded because you've already have that. Base in your relationship. So, yeah, it sounds like you are ready to continue on keeping your relationship open to possibilities, whatever that means. It could change and evolve over time. You've already started in a very fun way. And I mean, some couples who still consider themselves to be monogamous every now and then they have a threesome. So, I don't really think it matters what you call yourselves as long as you are both enjoying your experience together. I think that's what's important. And yeah, just enjoy. So, you don't have to become a swinger. Hell However, if you are looking to start to mingle with other couples and people who are open-minded, there are lots of clubs that are called either swingers clubs or libertine clubs uh, or sex clubs that you can go to just to meet people without even having to commit to doing anything more. That could put you in that kind of sexy environment where their potential is open for your wife to watch you have sex with someone else and to participate also. But again, that's a future step. You're already open-minded. Enjoy. Congratulations again. And uh, yeah, let me know how the next one goes. I agree with all of that. And I think like the idea that she
0: felt comfortable enough to ask you for the specific thing that, that she wants, that's different than a threesome. You know, there's three people, but it's a different configuration. And I think that if you go forward with it, you just have to make sure that everyone's on the same page, because sometimes what can seem hot in a fantasy, in real life, your wife might feel differently when it's actually happening. And I think you have to have a way to negotiate that, you know, in that moment as well, which is fair to every, all, all three of you. I mean, it's not really fair to invite someone and then, you know, they, then they're then they into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, you're like, oh, wait, I, we're changing the rules, you know. So I think you just have to make sure you're all open-minded to whatever arises
1: absolutely and that communication that you have beforehand i like your suggestion before which you had mentioned as far as talking about the possibility so you know talking to your wife about like okay well who would you see planning into our bed next you know and then kind of play it up from there and talk about the possibilities do you want to do the same thing repeat the same kind of experience you had Do you want to try something different but you have to talk about it a little bit first and make it a fun game I love, I love your suggestion, Rachel, awesome. So this last one we have time for right now, this one's from Mary. Hi Lexi, I'm having some issues with my body and I really don't feel confident in my skin right now. I haven't had sex with my partner in months since I gained a lot of weight and I don't want him to see me naked right now. I don't like seeing myself naked right now. I'm also recently unemployed and feeling pretty low in general. I still have urges but I don't feel sexy, if you know what I mean. How can I start to feel sexy again? So sexy is an attitude, it's not a body type. So I'm going to just like, quick blanket statement on everything that you're thinking right now now is your partner also just you know still looking for sex from you like are the are you trying to connect how much intimacy are you having right now with your partner and intimacy isn't just physical there's a lot there are lots of other elements to intimacy how connected do you feel to your partner on an emotional level are they aware of the way that you're feeling right now because it sounds like you might be going through a little bit of the blues i don't know your your mental health history but it sounds like you know it's totally normal you know you Become unemployed, you're feeling some things maybe a little bit down on yourself. Look, this happens to a lot of people. It's really something that you know you can surmount maybe with the help of your partner. But the main thing about the feeling sexy is it can't really come from anywhere external. Like someone can make you feel sexy, but ultimately you have to feel that within yourself. So I know it's hard, especially since there's so many unrealistic expectations in the media when it comes to body types what's sexy feeling sexy means dressing a certain way it's not it's not true but if you want to actually feel sexy within yourself what how did you feel before you gained weight and you, and, you had, uh, and you became unemployed. How did you feel in your skin? And when I say that, I mean, how did you feel internally about yourself? What were some of those positive things that you were telling yourself, positive self-talk that you were giving yourself that did make you feel sexy? And try to remember that state of mind that you were in because you're basically saying you want to learn how to feel sexy again, not that you've never felt sexy. So those are two very different things. So just try to remember, how did you feel in your body? How did you feel in your head? And then try to recapture that feeling and communicate with your partner. I mean, maybe if they've, you know, been looking for intimacy, maybe they feel a bit disconnected from you and not just physically, but maybe, you know, you need to let them know that you're just kind of going through a bit of a, a low period and that's okay. That's totally acceptable. You know, there's no, you should not be feeling any pressure to, you know, perform with your partner, to have to have sex with your partner. If you're not feeling it, that is a totally different thing. But if you are feeling the urges and you want to do something, about it. Just do it. Your partner is going to find you sexy no matter what you look like. And what's important is that you find yourself sexy no matter what you look like. I also can recommend masturbating. Get to know your body and it's all of its beautiful luscious curves. You know, feel your skin. You're still you. It doesn't really make a difference. If you're just feeling a little bit squishy or a lot of bit squishy, that's totally fine. Squishy is delicious. Squishy is awesome. All right. So embrace yourself for who you are. Reconnect with your body. Reconnect with the way you were thinking before, and hopefully that'll get you started on the right path. But don't forget, this takes time, right? So it's not an overnight thing. You just need to give yourself a little bit of time to Put yourself back into that confident mode, and honestly, for me, sometimes what helps is just wearing lingerie around the house, even if there's no one here, just for myself. Or get or treating myself to something that does make me feel sexy. Maybe for you, that's a spa day or a manicure or something like that, something to pamper yourself. Sounds like you might need that a little bit, just to kind of get a little boost and see if that helps. That's a very multi-layered question. I'm happy to help you. I do coaching for self-confidence, also, so we can talk about that later. But Rachel. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this.
0: I agree with all of that. And this is a question I actually personally relate to, because there have been times when I've been both of those things unemployed and have felt disconnected from my body. And I think, like you said, trying to find what sort of not just turns you on, but makes you feel good about yourself. And also remembering that your partner still, you know, wants you and loves you like you, we as women, especially often care so much more about what our body, the specifics of what it looks like, than our partner who are Loves us, and I wanted to say one other thing. I mean, a that you don't have to be totally naked in bed, Um, there can be something really sexy about you wearing some clothes or lingerie while your partner is naked. Mm -hmm. And if you know, if you are not feeling as in touch with your body, but you want to connect with your partner on that intimate level, I mean, you could do things like touching them or asking them to touch themselves, and you watch, and you know, maybe through that and over time, you know, you get back in touch with yourself sexual side. By doing things like that or, or talking dirty or things that don't necessarily involve the two of you both naked and you know if you're not ready for that just yet but there's other things you can watch porn together or listen to erotica or whatever that's connecting on that intimate level but that doesn't you know trigger your issues around your body
1: oh great advice yeah that idea of you know watching your partner masturbate or play with themselves while you're also you know you could just be a voyeur maybe it'll stimulate something maybe you want to get involved or maybe you know you're graduated the place where you are feeling comfortable to touch your own body and maybe you're not feeling ready for sex but maybe you're ready to maybe truly masturbate next to each other and maybe just touch each other a little bit but yeah it's it's a process I can understand that I've also had periods of time where I felt low and uh, it happens all the time it's it goes up and down so that's totally normal what you're experiencing is still normal so just don't feel like you're the only one who's dealing with this because you're not and uh, we're here for you. So that wraps up this week's Letters to Lexi. So if you want me to answer your question about sex or relationships, email me at lexi at SDC.com, as I mentioned before or at Lexi Silver on all of the places on social media. And that's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. So that is how you can get your question answered on my next Letters to Lexi. So that's how you can reach me. And now let's talk about how we can reach Rachel. And uh, you also mentioned about you know the book tours uh, that you're doing. the the live readings, where can people find out more information about that and maybe get tickets if there are tickets available? For the book tour and book information, you can go to bweoftheyear.com.
0: And that has all that information. My website is rachelkramerbustle.com, which also has that information. And you can follow Best Women's Erotica on Instagram, where we will be having some fun giveaways. And BW of the Year on Twitter. And you can follow me, Raquelita, on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, and there will be tickets for the January 19th to Book Club in Brooklyn, but the other two events are free and open to the public. Oh,
1: exciting. Oh, Congratulations on all of these wonderful announcements and all of these wonderful new things that you're doing, all of your achievements. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming and joining me today. I had a lot of fun. And so did I. I. Any excuse to talk about sex and erotica, I'm, I'm there. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the copy of the book, by the way. It's, you're very welcome. Uh, yeah. Very nice addition to my collection. And so that's it for this episode. My intellectual friends, thank you all for listening today. Don't forget that you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at SDC.com. Use my promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC and try it out for yourself. And you can tune in on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Variety Channel for my next show. You can download my podcast episodes on demand anytime you want them on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality.